0: about ready to jump in to a brand new series today and the series is pretty challenging and kind of exciting for me as you know we started off and it's called Better Decisions and Fewer Regrets which sounds like a challenging, challenging title for a series. And it sounds like it because it is. Now, if you're new here, my name is Matt Brown. I'm the lead pastor here at LifeHouse. We love having you guys in the room. Love having you all online. And here is the truth. Last week, we celebrated our 15-year anniversary. It was an amazing service. And then this Sunday came, and you know, there's all this stuff going on in our world. There's health stuff, and people are sick. And I literally thought, no one's going to show up this week. And we had a great week last week. No one's coming. And then when I walked on stage and saw all you incredible people here, I was so encouraged. So thanks for coming. But you need to know if you decide to join us online, this is as applicable to you online as it is for us in the room, because we want to figure this out. Now, this um, idea of better decisions and fewer regrets is content that I... Years ago, I heard years ago from Andy Stanley, who's a good friend of ours as a church. And what I hope for us is when we walk through this six week series, um, we will process this information together, but not just process it. And not just show up, but we'd actually take it and apply it. Because I believe better decisions has the potential to point us in a better direction. And this is huge for me. Let me just say this as we jump into this. Because I'm a little amped up and I'm trying to make sure I come at this at an even pace today. But I care about you all. And some of you I know really well and I care about you because I know you. Some of I don't know you at all, but I care about you. And because you decide to be around our church, in some degree, I I guess I'm your pastor, and I I want this for you, and I want this for your family, and I want this for the world you're living in. And what I want you to have through this series is not just a special spiritual feeling, because we get those in church, and that's really good, or an emotional thing, although emotion's good. I want you and I to walk out of this with tools in our toolbox, how to make better decisions, and have fewer regrets. And the idea around this whole series is the idea that good questions are connected to good decisions. And we overlook this idea of good connections or questions. But questions are so important. And good questions lead us in the right direction. And in this series, we're going to talk about five questions over the next five weeks that will help inform all of our decisions in every area of our life if you're single this is going to be helpful if you're married if you have kids if you're a little older like I am this is going to help us walk down the right direction and you need to know that these questions that Andy laid out in front of me 20 years ago have helped shape my life so I'm super grateful for them and they've helped shape my family and me as a father and as us as a church but here's the thing and here's kind of the caveat for this whole series Um, we have to ask these questions And if it's going to be helpful, we have to answer them honestly. But here's the part that really matters. Then we have to apply and we have to act on them. And I'm inviting you, whether you're a church person, whether you come here every Sunday, whether you don't believe in God at all and you're trying to figure that out, or you've been following Jesus for a lot of years, to just simply do this, to ask, to answer honestly, and to act on what you find out. Because even if you don't believe in Jesus like we believe in Jesus, I think this is super helpful. And you want this. And this gives us the ability to write the end of our story the way we hope our story turns out. And and you know this. People depend on your decisions in your life. You have some little eyes that look up at you maybe in your life, and they're hoping as their dad or their mom that you make good decisions because they're counting on you. Maybe it's a spouse that's counting on your decision process or the people at your work or maybe it's just the people in your world they are hoping that you make good decisions because one thing we realized with a little bit of time and a little bit of age is that you and I are not the only person impacted by your decisions. Isn't that true? And your regrets. You're not the only person impacted by your decisions or your gre- regrets. And you do not know who down the line is going to be impacted by the things that you decide today. You may have a family member. Think about this. You never meet and you never see that's impacted by what you decide in the next month, in the next six months, in the next year. But you're shaping their story because there are generations to come behind you. I had a grand- great-grandfather I never met. But he was a wild living guy, didn't live according to any kind of structure or value system. And he was on a horse one night, a hundred years ago, um, outside a little church. And he's listening through the window to an evangelist preacher talk about Jesus. And that night he gave his life to Christ. It changed my entire family by him doing that. I have never met him, but I'm on stage today, most likely, because he made that decision. And in your lifetime, you may not see the impact, but God will. And maybe someday somebody will be thankful for you. Thinking about it this way. Can you imagine if you went back how many hundred years to the time of George Washington when people came to George Washington and said, hey, George, we want to make you the king. We want to make you the king. And, you, and he said, yeah, I'll be the king. And we had that kind of monarchy in our, you know, in our country. Now, I don't know what you think about the current president or the last president, or maybe you hate the last 10 presidents, but most of us, most of us, are thankful for the democracy and republic we live under, and we're glad we don't live under a tyrannical monarchy. Now, can you imagine if George Washington didn't said, no, I'll be king, it would have messed everything up. That one decision would have changed our entire country. Can you imagine if Martin Luther King Jr., when he heard of the trials and tribulations of going on in the south with people in minority worlds, um, if he decided to stay in the north, Imagine how much different our world would be if he decided I'm not going to take action and do something about it. But because of what he did, our world is different. I think our world is better. And you may say, well, Matt, I'm not George Washington. I'm not Martin Luther King Jr. I'm not a pastor on a stage. I'm just me. And that's true. And that's an easy excuse except for the fact that generations are impacted by your decisions. Your great-great-grandchild will talk about you in some way, shape, or form, and if you're going to have kids, think about this. If you're thinking about having kids in the future, you should pay super close attention to what we're gonna talk about. If you have little ones or teenagers, man, you have a chance to make an impact on them with your decisions, and here's the truth. You know this, adult children Your parents still impact your life. I still hear stories of 40-year-old people that their parents do something totally crazy and ridiculous and has an impacting effect on their lives. Same with great decisions. My dad, when I was 25, he said, Matt... Um, when I was thinking about getting out of being a pastor and ministry, my dad said, man, I think that's a bad decision. You need to rethink that. Made a change in my entire direction of my life. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if my dad hadn't stepped in in that moment. And you could tell that story, right? Because you could tell the story of my life is better because of what my parents did when I was growing up. And you could also tell the story of my life is way worse. It's way worse because my dad wouldn't put down the bottle. It's way worse because my mom decided just to leave us. Or maybe it's, it's way better because my dad did put down the bottle and my mom hung in there. And now we were a family and now I have something to go home to and it's changed my life. And we all can see those things in our past because there's always good and always bad when it comes to our decisions. Now, here's the challenge around this. Private decisions almost always have public outcomes, And this is where some of us will get into this mindset of, hey, it's my decision. It's all about me. I'll suffer the consequences. It's bad if it's bad. But the truth is for all of us, our private decisions almost always have public outcomes. It never stays private. And there's things that hang in the balance that are so important. This is why we want to get this right. This is why. I think throughout the series, we want to ask those questions. And you have to answer honestly, because you know this, if we're not going to be honest, we don't get anything really done. But when we act on it, everything changes. And so as we walk through these five questions for the next five weeks, um, you just need to know the people that love you, maybe the people that are sitting next to you. I mean, they might be praying right now, and I don't want to put the on, but they might be praying, man, I just hope he listens. I hope she pays attention, and that's an okay prayer, and you can hope your kids um, hear, and they listen, and they're changed, but the truth is for all of us, the only person that we can actually control throughout, you know, our time on this planet is ourselves, so I'm going to ask you to do something, to take this personally, to come back, to let the questions be asked, and to be honest, and then to apply, because this is such a big deal, and if you're a parent, this is such a big deal because the most significant thing you do may not be something you do. You may be successful. You might have it going on. People might respect you. You may have lots of money, and that's great. I hope, I hope that keeps going well for you, but that may not be the most important thing you do. The most important thing you do, it may be somebody you raise. There might be just somebody counting on you. that don't even, doesn't even realize they're counting on you to make good decisions. I, I ran. Back into this, and I've talked about this a little bit, Um, After the day after Jake, um, Tina and my oldest son, was married, I woke up in a panic, and I realized my my son's married, and I I hope, and I wonder, and I'm not sure, did I teach him how to be a father, did I teach him how to be a husband, did I teach him how to be a man of integrity, did I teach him the things he needs to know, and I mean, I woke up in a cold. What? Because I realized the impact on his life at 24 was way different than 14. You know, when your kids are 14, you hope they get good grades, don't get cut, caught drinking or kicked off the football team. But when they're 24, the decisions they make, that is a lifelong effect on them in the positive or the negative. It's because we all realize with a little bit of age and a real little bit of time that your decisions and my decisions determine the direction and the quality of our lives—it's like our decisions are literally the steering wheel for where our lives go. And you can pray about your decisions, and you can ask God to help your decisions. You can ask God to point you in the right direction. But it's when we decide to actually go in that direction, our lives change. Now. Maybe for you, maybe for you, your pushback is, okay, Matt, that might be true about my decisions, but I have so many consequences of decisions other people have made when it comes to my life, and I'm suffering from them. That's true, and we're going to talk a lot about that. But you know this, that your reaction to those decisions that other people make, that's a decision also. And a response is a decision. And responses are huge, huge. And when we decide to respond to something, and this is a big thing, respond to something versus react to something, it can make a huge direction or difference in our lives. And it helps us not to become a victim. And maybe you feel this in our world. We live in a world where we kind of feel victimized. And really, everybody has a chance to be a victim right now, whether you're rich or poor, black or white, whether you're liberal or conservative. We all have you know, our victim cry, like we're victims, we're victims, we're victims. But what if it could be better? What if we could rise above being a victim and not self-destruct because we we decide we're gonna respond not to react? And then we march towards a preferred future in our lives because a response, almost every time, maybe not every time, but almost every time, a response creates a better path forward than a reaction. Rarely do I have to apologize for a response in my life because I pause, I stop, and I think, how should I respond to this? I'm telling you guys, I have more regrets when it comes to my reaction than anything else in my life because I'll see something or someone will do something to me or make a bad decision that involves me and I will react and I can react with some thunder if I don't watch it. And then it's like, oh, I really messed this up and now let me apologize and let me tell you how sorry I am. And I don't want to have to apologize so much in my life. In fact, I'm at a stage in my life, I want to respond well, so I have to apologize quite so much in a thoughtful response. Well, it's like one of our superpowers, isn't it? We said last week that one of our superpowers as a church was unity. But a thoughtful response for us is a superpower that when we exercise it, it keeps us out of so much trouble. When I decide I'm, to just react to negative circumstances in my world, I stop becoming like the people that I kind of despise. Have you ever thought about this? Because there's people I never want to give control to, because there's people I don't want to be like, I don't want to imitate, but when I react often, I become the kind of person I never want to be. And I'll, I'll look at people and I'll just be honest with y'all. I'm like, I don't want to be like him and I don't want to be like her. And then I react and I'm like, oh, I'm just being like her. Maybe you have a dad that you said, I don't ever want to be like my father or I don't want to ever be like my mother. And then when you react out of anger, I mean, and then this gets you in trouble. If you're a husband, your husband goes, hey, you're kind of like your mom and then he's out in the doghouse for the next week. Have you experienced that? Or you're kind of being like your dad, a wife might say to her husband. And that's what happens when we give control up to the people we don't want to be like through reaction but a response that avoids pain and evil. And we should never underestimate the power of a measured response. It's a decision how we respond to stuff. And what if we could write our very best story by pausing and saying we're gonna make better decisions by better responses. Now, I realize some of you came here today because you're like, I made every bad decision in the book. Or I've been making bad decisions for the last nine months and it's been one after another and I just decided I needed to change my course of action. But Matt, I'm, I'm wondering if it's just too late. I'm just wondering if I, I can't turn it around. I've made so many, I mean, it's not been nine months of bad decisions. It's been 20 years of bad decisions. And I just wanna give you some encouragement. You're in a room full of broken people and you're online with a whole bunch of broken people that are trying to turn toward what God wants. And I'm convinced that God wants the best life possible for us. And I think we have a choice in front of us to create a better present and a better future no matter what our past looks like. And it's not just a prayer, and it's not just a promise, and it's not just a God, do something magical. It's deciding I am gonna do what God has called me to do and walk in these right directions because your decisions. They determine the story of our life. And the good news, if you don't like your story, if you don't like where you've been, you can start rewriting your story today and decide on something so much better, a preferred future. Now, I told you this content, and this mic is cutting out a little bit. We're having a little bit of challenge with our mics in the building. I think we have too many wireless mics, so bear with me. If you're missing a few of my words, just so you know, we're working on it diligently. It's our fault, we'll figure it out. Um, You need to know that this content, as I said earlier, um, we got from our good friend Andy Stanley. And one of the things that Andy talks about is the fact that when he was young, um, his dad wouldn't answer all of his questions and help him with every one of his decisions. In fact, Andy said he would come to his dad and ask him what he should do. And Andy would say he wouldn't tell me what to do because his dad was a good dad. Now most teenagers like that when their parents won't tell them what to do. But once in a while, even teenagers are like, just tell me, just tell me, make it easy. But his dad would look at Andy and say, what would you do if I wasn't here to tell you what to do? And he would hear this over and over and over again. What would you do if I wasn't here to tell you what to do? And Andy would say in response back, but you are here, so just tell me what to do and make it easier. And this is where Andy tells a story that his dad's questions would just start to flow. And one of the questions his dad would ask him over and over is, what do you think the wise thing to do is? And he hates this question. In fact, I hate this question because this question, what is the wise thing to do when it comes to decision making? It eliminates all my preferences and it shuts down some of my desires. And as a male, it kind of crunches my appetites a little bit. Because it restricts me. What's the wise thing to do? Well, it certainly is not running off in that direction and meeting up with her if I shouldn't be meeting up with her. And spending that and going into debt and buying the motorcycle when I can't afford. You know, all the things we want to do. What's the wise thing to do? And it's a little restricting. That's why, especially us as men, we hate this because it restricts us. But it also restricts our regrets. Now, good parents know this. Good parents do this. Good parents, they are more interested in teaching their children how to make decisions than in making decisions for them. So parents, here's a parenting advice. You want to teach your kids something, teach them how to make decisions, not just make all the decisions for them. And when they're little, you have a chance to do that, and it's easy because the consequences aren't so severe. And when you teach your kids how to make good decisions, it sets them up for success, like they go off to college. And their freshman year of college it doesn't turn out to be their biggest regret of their lives because you taught them and I taught them how to make decisions. This is a key to raising kids. Now, I tried when my son Jake was about 10 or 12 years old, we were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and my son Jake, um, he loves hot stuff. I'm picking on Jake just a little bit today, but he loves hot stuff. And they had free salsa tastings in the square in Gatlinburg. And they had this sauce that was full of ghost pepper. And I wasn't even sure what ghost pepper was at the time, but I guess it's this incredibly hot pepper. And Jake goes, Dad, Dad, I'm going to try the ghost pepper thing. It's the hottest they got. And I remember thinking, I'm not sure what a ghost pepper is, but I know that's way too hot for you son so I said hey Jake are you sure you want to do this and he goes dad I can and I knew he was impressing his buddies I'm sure I can do this dad no problem and he did that whole thing he sticks the chip in he puts it in his mouth takes his first bite and for like five seconds he's smiling ear to ear he is happy as a clam about 10 seconds in his eyes start to flicker just a little bit and his, his his forehead gets a little bit sweaty and his hands start getting shaky. Thirty seconds in, tears start running down his eyes. He couldn't about a minute he gives up. Dad, it's killing me. I need water, I need water and of course I'm like I told you, dummy. I love you, but I told you, and there's a fountain, why don't you stick your head in the fountain and drink out of that? and it, No, I didn't. I had a better dad than that. Helped him find some water, although we know Mythbusters years ago proved the fact that really nothing helps with hot stuff like that except time, not milk, not tortillas, not anything else. And so Jake, he's dying. There's nothing I can do. He's like, Dad, help! Dad, help! Dad, help! And I looked at my son and I said, Jake, I love you! There's nothing I can do for you. It was not satisfying at all to my son. And you know what he learned that day? Precaution. Take steps. Try a salsas, three salsas down before you get to the hottest one. It was a great learning lesson. And that, that's fun. And, you know, that's how you teach your kids to make good decisions. Torture them. That's what my whole goal, torture your kids. Now, here, here's where that equates for us as adults. People, and this is sad. People come into my office sometimes or stop as a staff or maybe in their small groups and there's decisions that have been made. And they undermine the happiness of their family and they undermine the happiness of their own personal lives and they hurt other people when we make some of the decisions that are made. And people come to me and I'm a pastor and they're like, hey, do you have a prayer for this? My family's falling apart. Do you have a, Do you have a promise or a scripture? And this is what I say, I love you, but there's nothing I can do right now, except walk with you through the darkness until we walk ourselves out of this, which could take weeks, months, it could even take years. And in that moment, people realize, I wish I would've made better decisions. And I want that for us, no matter what our past decisions are, that our future ones are better and to realize that good questions are connected to good decisions to pause think evaluate what's the wise thing to do because good questions lead to better decisions and lives and maybe more important it leads to fewer regrets and it's so interesting after bad decisions all of us have said i wish i would have asked those questions i wish i had have thought about that it's intuitive after we do something dumb It's just so hard before, because we just want what we want, and we're the kind of people that do that. And if we resist those questions, you know how you resist, you feel interrogated by your spouse, or somebody in authority over, they start asking you questions, what happens for all of us? In those moments, our defenses go up, right? See, I I want that thing, I want to go buy that boat, I want to get that car, you know, I want to go hang out with those guys, we're going to go take that weekend trip, and my wife says, you know, are you sure you should do that? Are you sure you should buy that? Are you sure you should take that job? Are you sure? And what do we do? You know, men, I can speak for us and ladies, I'm sure you do the same thing. Our defenses go up like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you trust me? Don't you believe in me? Whoa, and I get so defensive and you get so defensive. We all do that. Well, here's the challenge. When our defenses goes up, our learning aptitude goes way, way down. It's virtually impossible to learn anything when our defenses are up. Have you ever been in a situation in your workplace where you're under some pressure and you're under some heat and you just become defensive and people are trying to help you? And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. don't judge me. You're all against me. It's all your fault, it's not mine. It's impossible to learn when our defenses are up. And those are the moments when we're making decisions. We need to learn everything we can. And here's the danger. Those aren't just business decisions. This is when we make terrible personal decisions. And then we go with this. Hey, um, it's nobody's business. It's nobody else's business. I'm the only one that's going to affect until it affects everyone else around us. That's why well-placed, appropriately timed, thought-provoking questions are keys to better decisions and fewer Regrets. Now, I want to say this because some of you would say, Oh, I love asking questions. I am so good at asking questions. I love to interrogate people. That's why they have to be well placed. That's an art to do that. Appropriately timed. You got to know when to ask those questions. If you consider yourself a person that loves to ask these kind of questions and thought provoking along the way. If you've ever done counseling, um, you'll realize good counselors and counseling is a great thing, know how to do this so well. Because counselors know that what they tell you to do, you'll rarely do. If you ever sat with anybody and they just go, you should do, you should do, you should do. It's why I don't do counseling because I'm such a you should do kind of person. Just do this and this and this and you'll be fine. That's, people don't do that. But counselors know when people come up with what they should do, they often do it and then follow through. Now, Tina and I, my wife, we do counseling all the time. We do counseling at least once a month. And here's why we do counseling. When I say this from stage, people are often surprised. Um, I'm a pastor. She works at the church. And we do counseling because we want a better marriage. And we work together. And technically, I'm her boss, even though she's smarter than I am. And it's a hard journey sometimes when you work shoulder to shoulder in a complex organization, and we still want a good marriage. And so Tina and I, we're, we're sitting in counseling uh, this is kind of revealing. And we're both kind of making our point, making our case, why we should get our way. And she said a few things. And I decided, I, I'm just going to win this. And I don't know if you know this, but I talk for a living, so talking is easy for me. So I just start making my points and make my points. And, and the counselor said to Tina, how does that make you feel? And she said some things that when she said it, I'm like, oh oh, but I'm still right. I still want my way. And the counselor looked at me and she asked me this question that really messed me up. She said, Matt, do you want Tina to feel this way? And I'm like, shut up, would you? Cause she had me. And she had me, and I had nowhere to go, and it was like a ton of bricks just dropped on my head. And you know, I was like, well, I'm just frustrated, but I wasn't frustrated, I was angry, because we don't want to say angry in church, because we're Christians, so frustrated sounds better. But do you know, frustrated and angry sound are the same thing. Essentially, there's a little counseling lesson. I'm just frustrated, and I want my way, and I want, do you want Tina to feel this way when you say that? I don't want her to feel that way and it helped me change. Without that question, I probably am not gonna change. That's why questions help our decisions, and I want a happy, joyful, loving marriage. That's why you and I, we need well-placed, appropriately timed, thought-provoking questions, and that was one of them. let me ask you a question, let me ask you a question. What if you had some questions ahead of time like before you made decisions, you, you had the discipline, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, that you could like go through and say, you know what, I'm going to ask these questions to make sure I'm thinking straight. I'm emotionally engaged. I want what I want. My appetites are raging. But I'm going to ask these questions before I make this decision. And it filters some of that frustration and emotion out. And you have these five questions that you could ask and answer honestly, and then you could act on what to answer. And there was none of this, yeah, but, because we're all yeah, but people. Let's just all realize it. Yeah, you're right, but. Yeah, we should do that, but. No more buts. What if we just decide, no, there's no more yeah, buts. We're going to apply this to our lives. No more nodding and, yeah, that's a good point, Matt. We're going to actually do this. And we got to miss some of the mess of our lives. And these questions that we're going to talk about in the next several weeks was a grid. A grid and a filter for how the world. Now here's the challenge for all of us. We already have some questions and maybe the questions you ask when you're thinking about a decision, they look a little bit like this, like, Hey, will I enjoy this? That's a fair question. Will this hurt me? That's a good question. Will this hurt somebody else? But then we get into questions that aren't so good. Like, will anyone find out? Can I just tell you when this becomes one of the questions you ask before you take some step or make some decision, It should be a red flag. Well, why don't you want someone to find out? Well, because it'd be bad. Well, I know, so why? Because I want whatever I want, and I want it now. Or what is my out if someone does find out? Anytime in your brain you start having a preconceived idea how you're going to get your way out of a mess that you know could happen if you make that decision, that should be a warning sign. It should be a flag for us. And we want to avoid that. Now, as we move into this series, and today is not even really a sermon. It's just a prep to get us ready for the next five weeks of messages and sermons. I want to take you to a passage of scripture that Solomon wrote. It's one we've talked about here quite a bit over the years, but it's so important. I just want to keep coming back to it. It's from Proverbs twenty-seven twelve. It's written by Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever walked the planet. And he said, the prudent, Prudent means. Prudent means crafty or smart or people that see clearly. The prudent, the smart people, they see danger and they take refuge. These are people that when they see something dangerous, they hide from it, they run from it, they go the other way. Another way of looking at it is a prudent person realizes whatever I do today has an impact on tomorrow and the next day and the next day, that all of life is connected. That's what a prudent person does. If I take a good action, it's going to pay off in a week or a month or a year. But if I do dumb things today, it will reverberate throughout time and maybe even through generations if it's ugly enough. And this applies to our money, our relationships, our sexuality, every part of our lives. You know what prudent people don't say? Prudent people don't say, how did I get here? You ever said that? How did I get here? Everything's a mess. How did I get here? A prudent person would say, I know I got here. I decided to ignore good questions and good decisions. And now I have a lot of regrets. A prudent person doesn't say, how did I get here? Solomon says, the prudent see danger and they take refuge. But the simple, and the simple is simply this. Prudent does not connect the dots. What happens today affects tomorrow. And you, you can be a high IQ person, but be simple. Because you have decided not to be wise. But the simple. Keep on going. They, they care, but they don't really care because they just keep plowing towards, I love my kids, I love my kids, but I'm going to do what's going to jeopardize my relationship with my kids. That's what simple people do. And simple people keep going. And they pay the penalty. Now this is where I have to be careful as the pastor of our church because I have seen so much penalty paid or another word in this translation is they suffer for it, that I I can put my foot on the gas way too hard and be way too intense and scare everybody off because I'm so tired of the pain in people's lives. And I don't want to see people hurt or suffer I don't want to see people you know, have regress over and over and over again, as opposed to I'm going to slow down, I'm going to pause, and I'm going to respond with wisdom because I see danger. I have a list of questions I can ask, like, is this the wise thing to do? And here's another part of it for those of us who are Jesus followers. And I know, I know not everyone in this room or online is a Jesus follower, but if you're a Jesus follower, We take the most simplest of passages that Jesus spoke about and he said, my command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. And I can love you by feeding you and clothing you. And those are all really good things. We should do those. But I am convinced one of the ways I can love people the most that are at least close to me is to make good decisions for them. To pause and respond well. To think, what's a wise thing to do? You, you're, my, you're my son, you're my wife, friend. You're my next door, whatever it is. You're my employee, you're my boss, whatever it is. I'm going to make wise decisions because I love you. And if you don't know this, the way this love is described, Jesus went and he hung on a cross for the whole world. That's how he loved you. Hey, Jesus, what does love look like to you? Well, I'm going to go die on a cross for you. That's what it's going to cost me okay, Jesus, I'm making good decisions because I don't want everyone else to suffer the consequences of my bad ones because the prudent. They see danger and they take refuge. That's what I want us to do. But the simple, they keep going and they pay penalty. And over the next five weeks, would you lean in with me on this? Can we work through this together and realize, just today, just realize, our decisions determine the direction and the quality of our lives and the people close to us. Now, I want to circle back to one last thought before we wrap up. This is just getting us going today. You may have come today because your life is a mess from bad decisions. You're in the right place. What we're hoping is that with God's help, not magic prayers, not magic scriptures, not magic promises, but with God's help, we could write a better story for our friends future and those that we love. So don't give up on this. Don't say, I'm too far gone. I have messed up way too much. You're in a room with people and you're online with people that we have plenty of regrets. We're just trying to write a better story as we follow Jesus into the future and love the way we have been loved. So let's see danger today for the next seven days. Let's hide from danger Let's not ignore it or run towards it. Let's not bring any more suffering into our lives and come back next week and we'll figure out the first really effective question of how to walk through better decisions with fewer regrets. Let me pray for you and I'll get you out of here. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for these ideas and these principles. I'm so grateful for what Solomon wrote so many years ago about seeing danger and taking refuge from it. Help us to do that. Thank you that you stick with us when we make dumb decisions and we have lots of regrets and you came to forgive us for those, Jesus. We're so grateful for that. But we wanna love you and love people around us by moving in the right directions. Help us, give us the strength and wisdom to do that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Guys, thanks for being here today. Have a great one, you are dismissed.